everyone. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Barb Knows Best, the podcast. I am super jazzed to be sitting in front of this mic, sitting across the table from my mom, getting ready to have another one of those life chats that hopefully will ring true to you, resonate with you, maybe help you, maybe make you feel less alone. Or maybe just give you a chuckle. I'm in a silly, goofy mood today. It's so nice to hear you in a silly, goofy mood. You know, as I was just talking, I realized I think my voice is finally starting to come back to normal after like weeks and weeks of a bug. It does sound a little bit normal. Hello, everyone. Isn't that a gift to us all? Hi. I'm so happy to be here too. Hi, mom. Hi, Michelle. Hi, everyone. I realized I got out of my spiel. I am your co-host, Michelle Maros, and I am sitting across from my mom, Peaceful Barb. It's okay. It's nice to be just random, you know, going with the flow. Yes, it is. And so, we do have a extra special recording today, that's for sure, or episode today. It's, you do say that, I think, at every single episode. I know I do. I know I do. I guess I show up and I'm always so, you know, we talk about the things that are up for us all the time or that we've been through a long experience with or that we're going through at the time. And this one in particular, I think has been, I think it's up for everybody all the time. And that's what I'm noticing that I'm not sure we ever get to the end of, end of this particular episode that we're going to talk about, but it's really, really important, I think, to understand Mm -hmm. what's happening. And I, I'm really excited about talking about our take on it and how we have been maneuvering and managing our lives and moving through it. Mm -hmm. Have we teased it enough? Yeah. I'm excited. Um, Before we get into today's topic, I wanted to just um, share a fun little story. Um, We recently were in Kansas City for a talk with our friends at Hallmark, and it made me so happy um, chatting with so many of them there especially our friend, Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Um, And she was telling us, listening to the podcast, she, what she took away a lot, I mean, many things, but one of the things that she loved is the asking people, how's it going being you today as a, um, you know, a greeting rather than the, how are you? That really, I loved hearing that because it, it's like, we talk about with so many things on this podcast, like the subtle, but meaningful shifts. And even something like that, asking someone you know, that question in that way, rather than just the, you know, um, habitual, how are you good? How are you? It's subtle, but meaningful. And I loved that. And I just love when any of you reach out to us and tell us that something in an episode resonated with you, or, you know, you've started incorporating into your life and hearing about how that impacts you is just so fun. So I love. I don't know. Too. I just wanted to share that. Yeah. I love that too. I think that was one of the most joyful, fun, meaningful experiences that I think the two of us have had totally. on our road to sharing the message of, of life with people. And we had such a great time. Leslie, Nikki, Christy, all the people that were there. I mean, it was just such an amazing, I can't even, I'm, I'm still riding really high on just the experience. Kansas City is amazing. I was Anybody from say, Kansas City, Missouri. I know Kansas City is having a moment right now. Big clap out to you. It was it really wonderful. Place. Yeah. And Hallmark. I actually think, Michelle, you just gave me an idea. Maybe we do an episode on the talk that we gave to Hallmark. It was pretty, sure. intense. you know, it was pretty 
I don't want to say intense, but it was pretty detailed. And I think that it might serve everyone. They might love to hear it. But anyway, let's get to the list. Yes. Let's get back to today's topic. Being where our feet are. That's been requested a lot. And I think I would ask everyone out there, how's it going being you today? (laughs) All righty. Well, so as we do, we were going back and forth about what we wanted to talk about today. And I was going through some of the requests that we've had. You know, we keep a little list whenever you write into us. And I noticed a trend and in the requests and also for us in conversations that we've had between the two of us about the concept and topic of healing. And so I really wanted to just dive into all of it, all aspects of healing, redefine it like we like to do with so many of these things and really pick it apart because I really feel like healing gets, you know, it's misconstrued. I think sometimes people have maybe the wrong expectations about it. They get overwhelmed, but I just think there's, there's so much there and it's important, but I think a lot of us maybe aren't, don't have the right expectations when it comes to healing. And so I just want to have a, a riff on it. Basically. I love it. I also think what I'd like to add is having been practicing, really having a life practice for the past 38 years, I noticed that my definition and my thoughts about healing have changed tremendously. And what I, when I healed from the divorce from your dad way back in 19, whatever that was like 1989, 1990, and then, you know, healing from so many other things with family members or just lots of friendships, ghosting. When I think about all of the things that have been traumatizing, really, and I think of the trauma that I've had with the, with my uncle, with the sexual assault with my uncle and all of that kind of stuff. When I think of all the healing, when I thought about how do I heal, because healing is for ourselves. It's really not about the other person. It's how do we heal so that we can start to become more whole again. And I had, I had someone say to me recently after this recent divorce that I'm in the process of beginning to heal from since the divorce was just final, they were saying to me, you have no idea how extraordinary your life is going to be. And I thought, well, I really think my life is kind of extraordinary right now, but I do have to heal from all of this though, because I can feel the weight of a lot of the trauma. And she said, no, I understand that your life is, your life is really good, but just wait until you start gathering up all the pieces of yourself that have been left behind during this 33-year marriage. When you start to gather up all the pieces of yourself and bringing yourself back together and really owning who you are and why you came here and what you want to do, when you really, truly, without the external traumas, you will, you will see the difference. And so it's been interesting for me to look at that message that a friend gave me, but also to think about the healing from such a long relationship and such a traumatic relationship in many, many ways has been interesting to me with all the healing practices that I've done for 38 years. It's been interesting for me to see how this seems a little bit different and maybe my age has something to do with it, but I think also my thoughts about healing. So I'm excited, Michelle, like you are to dive into other ways that I feel like we've come across. What does it mean to heal? And the idea of being angry and mad and disappointed and really in a place of, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. All those things are normal. 
And I really want to honor that. I was talking with some other friends recently and just that idea that, you know, we, it's okay that we're mad. It's okay that we're angry. It's okay that we're not wanting to just move through things so quickly and be on the other side of it. I'm loving this, really taking my time to look at all of the things little by little by little that I can start to let go of and without being on a timeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about healing and I would love to just rewind a bit because I know you have a lot to say about it and really kind of take us through the process of what we think healing means and what it looks like because at least from my vantage point and perspective and experience, I think I spent a lot of my life kind of being confused about what healing means. And I think having a a grounded definition and expectation of what that looks like is really helpful because life is always changing and life is fluid and new things are happening. And so I think starting off, you know, from the beginning and kind of working our way through it, I think would be a great way to approach this. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to even think about what healing means um, from a definition standpoint. And you said it, it at the beginning, I don't even know if you, you said it, but like to make well again or to make whole again, um, is an interesting definition. Well, I think if you're healing from trauma, which is how I feel I'm approaching this healing, mostly of this divorce, if you're healing from trauma, it definitely, you definitely have left some pieces of yourself, little remnants of yourself that you, you forgot or you didn't know because you were constantly trying to make, I remember just constantly trying to make it all right, make it all be okay. Like really being the fixer times a thousand, because I already know I am a fixer, but I just remember feeling like I had to make this all okay. I had to do whatever I needed to do. And I think it's interesting that you've said to me often over the past years, especially during this relation, this, this marriage, you used to say to me, mom, you're always, you're choosing chaos. You're choosing chaos. Don't mm. choose chaos. And I remember I, I'd get irritated with you when you would say that back in the day. I was like, what do you mean I'm choosing chaos? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm practicing being mindful and being in the present moment and not having chaos, but having mindfulness and peace and ease and all of the things. And it wasn't until this divorce became final that I realized that when you have been traumatized or when you're in a traumatic situation, your chaos is a traumatic response. And so it's been interesting as I see my my happiness and my joy and just my lightness mm-hmm. coming back little by little by little. And you've said it, and many people have said it to me, I think because of my history of trauma, and not just from this marriage, but even before that, it triggered so many things from before that in my childhood. I mistake peace sometimes. You know, I think about, I don't, I don't sometimes know what it feels like to be at ease, actually, and just let things be. I thought that I did with all my years of practice and meditation, all that. And I would be at ease and I would be at peace, but there was always this peace inside of me that had to fix everything and be all right with everything. 
So I'm so used to chaos mm-hmm. that I think it's, it, it has become a go-to. Like it's, it, I feel comfortable in chaos because, okay, now how can I fix this? What can I do to fix this? Yeah. And so it's been very interesting for me to be able to sit with myself and be okay with ease, be okay with peace and the strength and the power that I know being really grounded in yourself brings. Well, my therapist who we, I've been seeing since I was a teenager. And so we've also seen her together, you and I, um, has said to us that, you know, chaos tends to scramble or trauma tends to scramble the brain and makes chaos feel like the norm. And so we would lovingly and jokingly call you the chaos junkie because it did oftentimes feel like chaos was your default and that you felt most comfortable in chaos, Um, which makes total sense. If you are constantly, especially in your formative years, surrounded by chaos, that's where you feel the most comfortable. And I'm sure there's lots of psychological reasonings of maybe even having fear of what happens when things settle down because you, you know what to expect in chaos, but it's, what do you expect when things are quiet? And I think what's also tied to that, just so I can, is safety. Right. When I think about, you know, going into treatment was my beginning of healing, obviously, and that was 38 years ago. But even that little, it wasn't little, even that big stint in, in a treatment center back in 1984 started opening the door to being in a safe, calm environment. And now as I look at how I'm healing right now in this whole process, it, safety for me is really connected to chaos. I, you're right. I'm comfortable in chaos. I am a fixer. So I'm doing my best work <laughs> trying to fix everything. And it keeps me from feeling unsafe because in reality, it is an unsafe place to be when you're in a traumatic relationship. Of course. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I know you're oh, in no, the process no. of talking about something, but I just wanted to say that. And I think it's all also wrapped up in self-worth. My self-worth was often in a 33-year marriage. It's, it's you know, revolves around how, how, you know, how, how can I be treated right, but how can I do the right thing? I was just constantly trying to figure out how to do it, how to do it right, how to make it all okay. Yeah. There's a lot there. There's a lot here. So, okay. Healing. Going. Anna, can I just say one more thing? I just you was going to say, and so all of this that I'm talking about is a lot, all, all the things that I know to be true, I'm trying to bring more into my heart. This idea that how someone treats you is not a reflection of me. And I know that. But when you're in a traumatic situation, you start to take it a little personally or even a lot personally. And you start to realize that it's a reflection of who they are. It's not a reflection of who I am. So I'm really starting to embody a lot of the things that I already knew, but with this marriage over, I am more than enough. And so really reclaiming who I am and understanding that as someone, as a trauma survivor, I think you can sometimes get lost. And I think that's what that friend of mine meant when gathering up the pieces. You can sometimes get lost in the feeling that you don't mean very much to people. Like they could take you or leave you or you're, you know, you're not, I, I don't even know how I'm trying to say this, but the feeling for me has been there. I wonder if I mean that much to people. 
because let's face it, when you get divorced, things start to change and everything goes, you know, the, the friendships and all the stuff start to get divided and all those kinds of things. So it's a painful experience. Yeah, it is. Let's take a quick break. And we're back. So I think you've really brought up a lot of really powerful and interesting aspects to healing. And I want to kind of take it back to the beginning again and just really walk people through um, the process, I think, because I used to think that healing was kind of like one and done. Like I'm in my healing era and then I get through it and then everything's great again. And obvious and not obviously, that's just not the case. And so I really want to um, break it down even more for people so that we can really start to understand what what like a, a healthy relationship with healing actually looks like and managing our expectations with healing and really choosing aligned healing and not just things that we think that we need to do because that's what's expected of us or that's what everybody else is doing. But really, and like we say so often on this show, understanding yourself so well to know what you actually need to heal from something or from a situation. And so going back to that definition of healing, you know, to make well again or to make whole again or to, um, to, to move past something, that's a really big ask and a big task. And like you were talking about with your own trauma from your childhood up until now with, you know, your recent marriage, for you personally, that's a lot of trauma. And I think when you think about life and your, I mean, I'm using you, but any of our lives, we all day to day have situations and triggers and aspects that have the potential to add on to our trauma. We all have different life paths and different life experiences. And so I don't like to look at healing as like healing from one particular trauma, because like I said, life is fluid. There's always something else that can happen that will trigger us to have to go on this journey again. So for me, it's been really helpful to kind of redefine how I view healing because I hope this makes sense. I, for, I think a lot of like, I've talked a lot about how in my early to mid twenties, I was in like a long, um, romantic relationship. And then when that breakup happened, I feel like that kind of started me on my quote unquote, healing journey. I noticed so many dysfunctional patterns in myself. I, I left that relationship kind of looking at myself being like, I don't even know who I am, you know, evaluating and taking inventory of the things that had happened in this relationship and how I participated in it and feeling so disconnected from that person being like, that's not even me or I just... I felt so disconnected. And so that trauma of that relationship propelled me on my own healing journey of like coming back home to myself, of like realizing that 
I had lost sight of, of who I, who I am and what I want and, and what I wanted in my life. And it was in that period of my own life and getting into my later twenties where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go on this big, massive healing journey. I'm going to, and I guess this is probably similar to when you went to uh, treatment, you know, on that path, but I'm going to learn all of the things. I'm going to incorporate all of the self-care. I'm going to rely on my therapy. I'm going to fix all the stuff, you know, get to the root of my, all of the issues that I had. I'm going to actually figure out who I am so that I never have to go through this again. And I think that was the place where I was wrong because I thought that you know, we all have this period of our lives where something happens, we go on the journey, we get all of the answers, we pick up, you know, self-care practices, and then we come out of it and we're like, all right, you know, healing check. I'm ready to continue. I've, I'm the meditator now, or I'm really in therapy now, or I, you know, don't rely on codependent tendencies anymore. So I am healed and now I can go into the next chapter of my life healed and ready to go. And I I mean, that's really how I, I kind of viewed it back then. And I get that maybe that there's a naivete of being in your twenties and maybe not knowing any better, but it was also kind of a rude awakening when I started to get into my thirties and I'm like, okay, um, like when's the healing era going to end? Because like it's been going on for a while now. And, um, when do we move on? And I think that was what I meant by managing expectations because the healing era doesn't end. I mean, perhaps, maybe I fully processed and healed from certain situations, but I think that we're always in a state of healing. It's just from different things and different situations and different experiences. And that's not a bad thing. Like rather than healing, trying to push away healing, like something that you have to get through so that you can get to the other side and be happy with life. How I've looked at healing is like, it's a constant part of my life. And that's good because it means I'm always in the state and practice of making myself whole again. I love that, Michelle. I love that. And I think- Did that make sense? It made perfect sense. And I want to add to that. You're right. Redefining healing and what does healing look like? Like it's not a, let's begin here and we're going to end here and be done. I love that whole whole story that you just told about that. And I also want to add something to it that I've become aware of here recently. And that is defining the word trauma. We've used it a lot so far in this episode. And yes, I've been through some of the severe traumas as many of you listening probably have or could have been. But I think we need to understand that trauma, if you're listening to this and you feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't been through the traumas she's talking about, so I'm fine. Or, you know, what's the matter with me? And I still feel like I need to heal. I I think we need to define the word trauma Yeah, because we all experience trauma, period. It's funny because I have a... The Cleveland Clinic, what is trauma up in front of me? Oh, wow. Well, we just, we all experience some sorts of trauma. And I think the idea of trauma, it really what it is, it's just a challenging emotional consequence that we're living through from a distressing event or um, 
And I think, I think it truly for me, it's just any kind of traumatic event and it doesn't have to be sexual assault or it doesn't have to be overcoming an eating disorder. It doesn't have to be divorce. It doesn't have to be uh, death. It doesn't have to be all those major things that, that, you know, the top list of all the five or six major things, life changes that people go through because traumatic events, I think they're difficult to define because we are all being hurt or being pained by different events in our own way. Like someone saying, calling me a name, for instance, which we've talked about, I think on episodes before is a is trauma for me. If someone calls me stupid Mm -hmm. or if someone calls me lazy or if someone says to me, you are the problem. <laughs> or if someone says to me, you know, I, I, I use this foul language with me in the heat of an argument. All of that for me is traumatic. It, it really changes. Can I ask you a question? Let me just finish this. It really changes the way I see myself. And I think that's the issue with healing. We, have, we are living with painful experiences that in little ways start to alter the way we see ourselves. And if Mm -hmm. we stay in the relationship, we're going to continue little by little to chip away at the way we actually see ourselves. Yes, you can ask me a question, please. (laughs) No, I think that that's very helpful and important because for you, someone calling you stupid is a trigger because that happened to you when you were a child and it was traumatic because you were so young and it you know, impacted how you view yourself and because of the age you were at, you believed it to be true and you allowed it to really define part of who you are. And so I think that, you know, healing is, is looking at the root of where some of these things come from too, right? Like that is the root of it for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I think we'll get into that more, but it's kind of figuring out where those um, like emotional wounds started because, you know, for other people, I mean, I'm sure I was called a ton of names when I was a kid, but they didn't, you know, necessarily impact me in the way that they impacted you. So it's really figuring out those emotional reactions to these wounds to, to have that awareness of like, okay, where do I need to start with this healing and what are my traumas? And I love to think about trauma, looking at this from the Cleveland Clinic, like we're all so aware and savvy and knowledgeable about healing physical wounds. You know, you get a paper cut, you put some Neosporin on it and a Band-Aid, and you're good. And you don't even give it a second thought. You just know what you need to do to heal it. You have other, you know, physical issues. You go to the doc, like we have in our minds the steps that we need to take to heal from physical wounds. And in this article, a trauma is like a deep cut or a wound, but it's in our psyche, it's mental and we can't see it. So it's extra hard to really fully process that we're wounded. And we don't always know the steps that we need to take. And sometimes we ignore the wound because we don't feel like dealing with it. And I just think that it's so interesting to think about where the wound started and how long the wound has been festering and really pinpoint if we can, um, the root, because that's where we can start, I think, to heal. I think you're right, Michelle, but I also like to add that sometimes 
we judge ourselves with the trauma or we judge ourselves with how we're, how we're personalizing it or how we're taking it in. And we do, you said sometimes we don't want to have to deal with the trauma and sometimes we don't, we judge ourselves. Oh, this is really stupid. This of is course. really, this is really not okay. Well, I don't know what's the matter with me. Like the story I told before in one of the episodes, my eating disorder started, certainly it started years before it actually started. I mean, the whole idea of being sexually traumatized as a, as a young girl set the stage possibly for it, which I believe it did. But then how did a person just walking into my place of work and just saying to me, oh, it looks like you put on weight since the last time I saw you, that triggered me to go into an eating disorder. So you're right. That would be the basis of that. But then also the idea of feeling the shame around that, but like, who cares what this guy thinks? Or how did I let that one sentence take me down a seven and a half year path of bulimia? So it's interesting I think what I want to say here is have no shame and no judgment about why you feel pain, why you feel a painful experience that's starting to alter the way you see yourself. I mean, I I guess, you know, we talk about don't take things personally and all that, but wait a minute, it's too, this is when you're in a healing situation and you have been, you have been traumatized in a way that causes you pain. Any kind of pain is a trauma. And I love what you said about we're easily able to handle often physical pains. But as your therapist said, trauma scatters the brain. So trauma changes the brain. So we really need to let ourselves off the hook of any judgments or anything, because as much as trauma scatters the brain, every once in a while, I get triggered again, like I have in this marriage. And all of a sudden now I've lost some pieces of myself where I know who I am, but I'm not actually acting like it sometimes. It's, it's somehow changed the way that I think about myself. And I'll say things like, wow, do I look fat in this dress, Michelle? And you'll say, mom, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it, and you'll say, mom, no. And I'll think instead of saying, oh, you're so stupid, Barbara. Oh, why would you even think that? You should have been healed by that, from that for 38 years. No, I think, oh, my brain has been re-changed, re-traumatized or gone back to that original trauma, whatever it is. And it doesn't even really matter where it's going. It's there and having no judgment on it. But I think the great news that you and I have to share, Michelle, because of all the years of really looking at this and going in depth with healing and trauma and all of the things is that healing changes the brain too. Yes. Healing changes the brain. Trauma shifts the brain and healing changes the brain. And every little bit of healing that we can do, we're chipping away at the trauma that's reorganized or changed the brain. But it doesn't mean that we're going to be rid of it forever. I don't think, and that's not a bad thing. Like you said, it's not a bad thing. Sometimes it'll rear its head again. And I'll think, oh my goodness, what's this about? And so it's just, okay, let me take a, let me sit down with myself and figure out, okay, where's this coming from and what little now piece. So as I use peeling back the layers of an onion, when I talk about meditation practice, when you go inside, you're kind of going, you start at the surface level of life and then you go a little deeper and you go a little deeper and you're peeling back the layers of the onion That's how I feel about healing. You're Mm -hmm. always just peeling back another layer that's there to try to get the brain changed or reorganized back into the healing mode. It just doesn't happen overnight. And I think it's a slow, beautiful process, actually. It is. And sometimes it can be hard to actually mentally grasp that and... We say this a lot on the show that, especially even just with our thoughts and thinking, 
you know, creating new thought processes creates new neuropathways in the brain. And that's the same as healing. I think when we've experienced trauma, it does impact parts of the brain. And I think without thinking about the fact that trauma chemically changes the brain, it creates pathways in the brain to react to the trauma. And because we can't see that, I think that's why we feel those feelings of shame and judgment about ourselves. Because, you know, if you break your leg, you don't have any shame or judgment about yourself that you can't walk. You know that you need to take time to heal your broken leg so that you can walk again. But oftentimes with trauma, you are impacted in your brain. And in this article, you know, it affects trauma affects two parts of your brain, the amygdala, which is the emotional center. And this is what happens when the amygdala is what is the protection center that gets hypervigilant about danger. So if, if you're traumatized and your amygdala is impacted, you're going to start always looking out for problems or danger. We're also always looking for ways to stay safe. Right. Yeah. So and whatever then of course, that means. The hippocampus is the part that holds on to memory. And because your brain remembers what happened in the traumatic event, sometimes your brain can struggle between the things that have already happened and the present, which is why you can get triggered and feel like it's happening right now. I'll link to this article that's really interesting more about this, but in the show notes. Um, because we can't see the wounds in our brain, it's like we act like it doesn't happen. And that's where we have the shame because it's not visual to us. And thinking about it from this scientific way of knowing that like you have an experience that deeply impacts you and scatters your brain and makes you confused and experience so many different difficult emotions, that takes time to... It's like, you know, shaking a snow globe and everything goes all over the place. And it takes a while for all of the stuff inside to settle. For me, that's like healing. And that's to say that if we're in a situation in life where something traumatic happens and then we're in a completely safe environment where we can totally heal, but that's not always the case because something happens and then we go somewhere else and something else can happen. There's so much happening all of the time around us that we are never fully in a space where we can let the stuff inside the snow globe settle. And so that's why sometimes too, I think healing takes a long time. Sometimes we can really make headway in our mental health with how we view things and something can happen that can set us back. And that's why we say so often that healing isn't linear. And I just think it's interesting to think about it in that respect of to release the shame and the judgment about it just because we can't see it and really know that I love to have that visual because I mean, we're both such visual people. Um, and just knowing that sometimes like your snow globe is going to get shaken a lot. Yeah. Depending on what, what is happening in the environment you're right. Or what is happening in your personal relationships? Beautiful, beautiful visual, Michelle. And I think that to go another step with what you're saying is, Try not to, try not to view 
if you feel like you've been triggered or you feel like you're not, oh my gosh, this has come up again, not as a setback, but as a reminder that, oh, wow, there must be something else here that I need to take a look at because healing takes what it takes. It just, the way it is, it takes what it takes and we can get triggered and we can get, all of a sudden we can feel something and not know where it's coming from. Like you said, cause we can't actually see it, but it's there. So we try to push it away or push it down or pretend like it's not there or that something's wrong with us. When in actuality, we're trying to gather up all the pieces of ourselves back. We're trying to bring ourselves back to being whole. So if we can use that as a reminder that you're not failing, you're not not healing, you're not going backwards, that it takes time and that something else has come up to help you move through it, which is actually a blessing. I know it doesn't feel like a blessing at the time, but actually when you go backwards and look at it, it does. I I can speak from personal experience. It did not feel like a blessing. It felt like a burden. Mm -hmm. But now that I look back on some of the things I've been through in the past six months, I thought, wow, this has really helped me now to move to this place and to move to this place. And I think it also is a reminder that what happened to you is not okay. It doesn't mean that we have to pretend like it's all okay. That in order to heal, we have to get to a place where, oh, that was okay. Right. Oh, it was all right that that happened. Because look, look where I am now you know, I'm king of the world or I'm the queen now or whatever it is. It's not, it's never going to be okay. And so don't try to convince yourself that healing means that I have to accept that what happened to me is okay. It does not in any, any way, shape or form. It just means that it happened. And now I want to heal from what traumatized or what rewired my brain in a way that made me scatter the pieces of who I am about. So I think it's normal. I want to say this, it's normal for you to still think about what happened. Don't think that that may ever completely go away. Maybe it will, but there's a timeline. So it's really normal that you may still think about, or you may still get triggered or something may cause your brain to malfunction for that split second. You may start crying again, or you may start feeling the pain again, but it doesn't mean that you're falling backwards or that you failed somehow. And I think the idea that if we can truly, truly accept that we can't change what happened, I think that's where, I know that's where I've gotten stuck many times in my, in my healing process and in my trauma and my past. I feel like I got to kind of somehow change what happened in order to heal, or I got to pretend, or I got to have this feeling like, oh, well, it didn't happen and I'm good. Well, how about changing that narrative? It did happen and I'm good. I'm, I'm moving through all the trauma or all the pain. You know, if trauma is a trigger word for people, pain, all the pain, that's been caused and all the pain that has helped me, you know, think about myself in a way that's not true. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. This might have to be a two-part episode. I don't even know where we are on time, but I just think it's really important to accept the fact that life is full of pain and suffering, but it's also full of joy and happiness And so we have to have both and we all have both in some form or the other. And if we can actually just accept, okay, the pain has happened. Once we're moving through it, it's taken me a long time to accept that I'm getting divorced, Mm -hmm. that I got divorced and then I got divorced. So the idea of these strong emotions coming up, don't let them numb you. Don't let them define you. Don't let them linger and try to keep figuring out what did I do wrong? What happened here? Yes, we need to look at what all happened so that we can grow and learn and become the greatest version of ourselves. But we also have to be truthful. And we also have to know that we've been in pain. We've been suffering. And so the best way to 
stop the suffering and start moving through the suffering and the healing process is to just believe in what has happened, own what has happened, and then start to do the thing of bringing back the pieces of yourself. I think, and that, that it wasn't okay that it happened, but it did. And mm-hmm. I can't change it. I think that's a really great place to start. And I want to say, and, and not stop. necessarily to bring any other person into it either. I right. think we don't need, maybe we could end on this as if we're going to pick this up in the next episode. We don't need to waste our emotional energy having validation from the other person. You know, it'd be nice to get some of it, but often I've, I've very rarely found I've, I've been, I've had it. Right. I mean, I, I actually haven't, I can't think of any situations of the real severe trauma things. I've not, had no validation from the other person. So I don't think we can't make other people understand or take responsibility for their actions and how we feel as a result of their actions. And I think that's a great piece to dive into more in the next episode and right. don't allow their denial to set you back. Okay. That's what I wanted to say. Don't allow their denial of what happened. You don't have to keep proving yourself. Right. Of course. You and I, that will working. also go into our forgiveness conversation when we have that. That'll be, <laughs> that'll be so many months down the road. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm teasing. But I, I hope that this start to the conversation will at least reaffirm for any of you who are resonating with this, that healing is a natural part of life. I don't think that anybody can go through life unscathed. And so we all will go on a healing journey. And the sooner that we can acknowledge and have awareness and tell the truth about our lives and that we do owe it to ourselves to heal and bring ourselves back together. I think the sooner that we can, like you said, accept the things that have happened and live from that place of truth and move forward. Um, But not having shame or judgment about the fact that you have to heal from something or that something harmed you. Um, It's, you know, a part of life. We talk about that quote from Scott Peck, that life is difficult. And I used to hate that quote because I didn't want that to be true. But he goes on in the quote to say, paraphrasing here, as soon as you accept that life is difficult, it no longer is difficult because the fact that it is doesn't matter. And I think about this a lot when it comes to life and trauma and healing. Trauma happens. We, you know, we're not in control of the outside world. We can never know what's going to happen. And so knowing that this is an aspect of life, the fact that it's a certain way, we can accept it so that it no longer has at least that charge for us and that we can just say, okay, um, this was a trigger for me. What do I need to do for myself right now in this moment to come back to myself or come back to my center or to bring the pieces back? You know, I also... think about, you know, with the visuals, like sometimes a trauma that happens is like when you kind of like smash a mirror, it's like a, you're hitting the mirror and the pieces go flying. And it's like, what do you need to do to bring those pieces of the mirror back together? Um, And sometimes pieces get lost and sometimes, you know, it doesn't look the same as it did before. Um, But 
there is always a way through, I think. And I just hope that for at least this first part of the conversation, normalizing the need to heal and releasing the shame and judgment we have about healing from things that have happened in our lives and understanding that it is not something that like we can tick off of our self-care to-do list and that it's more so a state of being and um, like understanding and having that awareness of, okay, this happened. What do I need to do? Come back to center and kind of cultivating that mindset that it's a part of our lives, but it's not a bad thing. It's something that, you know, it's like another aspect of our self-care and emotional well-being to embrace a healing mindset. Beautiful, Michelle. Because some of the some of the traumas may not even come in our own personal lives. They can come from the outside world of all the horrific things that are happening yeah. in our world today. We can be traumatized by that. And I think I think what the last thing that I want to share is what has helped me a lot, a whole lot, has been the serenity prayer. Mm-hmm. After being in treatment, I've used the serenity prayer a lot in my life. And I think it's helped me a lot when it comes to healing, when it comes to traumatic, painful, really difficult, difficult, hard, sad situations that have happened in my life or the feelings that I've had surrounding that, you know, God, as you understand him or her, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I, for me, why that has helped in my healing process, the idea of accepting the things I can't change goes back to that whole, the whole thought process that, you know, we've been hurt and many times the people that have hurt us don't care or they won't acknowledge it or they won't do anything. And so, but we still have to acknowledge that we've been hurt and we have to, and we have to take care of that, that little girl or that little boy that's been hurt. You know, sometimes when we're hurt and feeling so much pain, we feel, you know, like we're a little, like we're a little child again. I know I do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, how could this even be happening to poor little me? So that idea of, of that whole sense of self that, you know, you can't change the things we can't change. So don't waste any time there. Don't waste any energy there. Sure. You can start it off. You could try to get the other person to acknowledge it, but move, move through it. It's not important. And then you know, the courage. I think once you move through that, you start to feel the courage because as you were saying, breaking that glass and bringing the pieces of ourselves back together. Yeah. They, they, they probably, many of them may come back differently. And I think it's, we're stronger and more wiser because now we have the wisdom. Often the courage leads right to the wisdom to know the difference. Okay. I am so much wiser now as a result of all this pain. Not that I would have blessed it on myself or asked for it for myself or wanted it for myself. But as I move through it and I'm in this healing process, I can see how it's helping me grow. I can see how it's helping me become the greatest version of who I am as a person and helping me have more courage and be more brave about being the person that I came here to be. Because for me, serenity means getting to a place of where I'm not troubled. You know, it means like being untroubled. I know it means peace and calm, but I always like the idea of not being troubled by something. Because for me, troubled means it's like, it's like, like a woodpecker pecking in my brain, like little by little by little, just really, you know, uncovering or really poking that pain point 
that I need to pay attention to so that I can start healing in whatever direction that is that that woodpecker is trying to get me to pay attention to in my brain. So I like the idea of being untroubled. I love that. I think that's a great place to to close. And of course, we will pick this up in next, next week's episode. Thank you, Mom. Thank you. This is a really powerful conversation that we're having. You and I have conversations about all these things that we talk about quite often. Yes. And this one in particular has been very moving. And I appreciate all that you've shared, Michelle. And I appreciate having this ability to talk to all of you listening. Just remember you are worthy of being the person that you are. You are an extraordinary human being. And yeah. healing is, is your first step toward you know, coming back to that place of knowing who you are, as you were saying earlier, Michelle. I love it. Thank you, Mom. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. As we said, we will hop right back into this conversation next week with you know some more tangible takeaways and all of the good stuff that we like to share. So make sure you don't miss it. Um, but thank you so much for listening and being a part of this community and joining us on this wild journey of life. If you haven't already yet, please make sure you're liked, liked and subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, so that you can always stay up to date on our new episodes and drops. If you're loving the show, which of course we hope that you are, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes and Spotify and leave a review. That's so helpful for us and it means so much to us and we greatly appreciate it. Lastly, of course, if you want to stay in touch with us, ask us questions, podcast topic requests, make sure you're following us on social media at Peaceful Barb, at Michelle Maros, at Barb Knows Best Pod. That's always the best way to do so. Thank you so much again for listening. Thank you, mom, for all of your insights. And we will chat with you next week about healing because as we know, Barb knows best. Bye. Bye.